you would please open up your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 33, and we will pick back up where we left off. And, uh, and again, right from the very beginning, before we get written into the study, I want to say happy Mother's Day to each and every one. And for us in our stage of life, I want to say happy Grandmother's Day to you as well, because we're in the grandmother's and grandfather's stage. So that becomes very important to us now. <laughs> so I, I was writing a card to Kathleen and saying happy Mother's Day, but then I said, and Grandmother's Day, because there's fruit. <laughs> We're seeing extended fruit from that uh, life of a wonderful ministry of motherhood. And if you did not get your flower, uh, make sure you get your carnation before you leave. And uh, you know, just a uh, what a blessing it is that God is um, uh, uh, does and continues to do through the ministry of motherhood. What a blessing! It is. So let us pray. Father, again, thank you again for this day. And, and we do celebrate you, Lord, and, and, and what you've done in the lives of mothers and the, the tremendous ministry of motherhood and the responsibilities of nurturing and guiding and training up uh, their children in the ways of, of you, Lord, and continue just to be there and to listen. And in each phase of motherhood, it be at the birth phase to the young child phase to the teaching and training up phase and then all of a sudden now they've become uh, accountable to you and young young children lord and and then there's those responsibilities change through high school and college and and then it continues to be uh, pouring out and just be an example of a, a motherhood to their young mothers as they get married and they have their own children so lord that, that ministry never ends. It just changes and shapes and sides according to your ways, Lord, and how we're to train up um, the children, especially their young daughters. And, uh, and we again thank you for all the mothers here, Lord. Bless them. Pour your grace and mercy upon them, Lord, and, and strengthen them, encourage them in the great work you're calling them in to do. And as we go and we open up your word today, Lord, just speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Hopefully you can see this map. This map represents um, the, the travels of two main characters that we have been seeing in our scripture so far in the book of Genesis. We see the travels of Jacob going from, uh, there's two parts to this graph, uh, this, this slide here, the top left gives you the aerial view of Israel, but the upper part of up into Syria, Padam Aram, which is in the top uh, right corner of there, which was part of where uh, he's been dwelling there in Uncle Laban's house for the last 20 years. And as we see the green coming down, he's worked their way down, and now we're here after about 550 miles running away from Laban, He's, in our story, we see now we're in within the red square, which is the bottom right, and it gives a little bit more specifics. And just for the sake of what I don't normally do this, but let me go over here. And we saw in our story in this spot, which is where um, Laban overtook or came upon Jacob in the caravan at that time as we were studying. Then we see we get to Panel, which is where God Start seeing Sukkah, extend over to Shechem, which will 
let's get into the scriptures here. We see here, if you see in Genesis chapter 31, verse 3, notice a commandment from God to Jacob of what he was to do. He was supposed to leave from the north, Padanam Aram, and head down into the, and then we see two part of the commandment. One commandment, but two parts. Notice there in verse 3, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. Now, I don't know about you, but I, would, I love when God speaks to your heart and my heart as we study the scripture. As we study the scripture, he speaks to you and I through and by his word. And you know that God is speaking to you. You know what he's telling you to do. And he gives you commandments. He gives you promises. He gives you warnings. He gives you correction. He rebukes you. He gives you a little spanking. And at the same time, he's patting you in the back. Say, okay, keep going. You keep going. We're going to go through this. But you wouldn't experience any of that unless you're reading the Word of God. You won't experience any of those. You won't have that intimate relationship with God if you're not in the Word of God. And so as we see here, Jacob is getting really intimate here. God speaks very directly and gives him, you're going to go back directly to the place where your family is. There was no question. Two, you're going to be with the family. The second part, no question. There was clarity from God that exactly what he was supposed to do. The question is, once he gave, God gave uh, Jacob the commandment and spoke to his heart, now Jacob's responsibility is what? Be obedient. Full obedience. That's the only way we're supposed to do it. Once God tells you to do something, you're to be full obedience, not partial obedience, because partial obedience is what? Disobedience. So tell a child, go clean your room. Oh, they, they don't clean their room. They go play. Well, they weren't being obedient. Go clean your room. They go in the room, and they only clean what they want to clean, which is shove the toys under the bed. Partial obedience is still what? Disobedience. <laughs> so we're going to see this all play out here in Jacob. But he was obedient. He, he had to do it in a conniving way. Remember, Jacob is the what? Heel catcher, the deceiver, the liar, the cheater. I mean, not a good character of this man. But last week we saw in, in this chapter 32 a change of heart where God had been working his heart. Now he's Israel, governed by God. That's what Israel means, governed by God. There's a change in this man. And we're going to see some glimpses of this. But let me say it now and I'll say it later on. Once you become born again, once you've heard from God, once God is working in your life, he's transforming you by the, his word and his commands and he's moving and, and jiving within your life and you know he's moving and changing it. You know this is happening in your life because no one can explain it because in your head you know what God has done in, in, in your life. You, there's, it's your, you're your witness. It's your testimony, right? But have, we have times to go back into the old nature, the Jacob nature, the deceiver, the heel catcher. And then there's times where you find yourself in your new nature and you're doing it God's way, which is Israel, governed by God. And there's times in your life where you, you get in a pinch, you get in a squeeze, you get into this fear mode, this distress mode, and you have a tendency, and I have a tendency to do what? Go back to the old nature. Go back on what you understand and lean. Or you go back and you go, oh, that's why, how, how did my father do this? Well, if you had a godly father, then you're probably right on track to do exactly what God said. But if you did not have a godly example, or you have friends, or you're asking for opinions from others, in your situation, what do you think I should do? Should I sell? Should I not sell? Should I go? Should I not go? If you're not seeking godly counsel, that people who are going to be in the word of God to give you good godly counsel, you should not be listening to them. Because you will go back to your old nature of what you think and be comfortable with, which is based on sight and not based on what? Faith. And we are to live by faith and not by sight. Amen? So we see this played out. So he's got a clear commandment in verse 31. and 32, he, he didn't forget. Jacob's still very, very clear because in 32, God adds some pressure point called what? Esau is on his way and he has 400 men. Now remember, 20 years ago, the last time he talked to his brother was, I'm going to kill you, little brother. <laughs> so that's all he's known in for 20 years. My brother wanted to kill me and he still wanted to kill me because... Mama, Rebecca told me you would send a messenger to let me know if my brother calms down for me to come back. 
That message never came. And we know in the scriptures, she died before Jacob ever will see, ever saw him again. So now here we are, we're in chapter 32. We see that this pressure point's coming, he, this distress is coming upon him. And if you look in verse 9 through 12, that is the very first full prayer that we see in the scriptures. And this is Jacob himself praying to God directly. Now we see the change of heart. Everything else was always, oh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, my, bro my father. It's everyone else's God. It's like today. Oh, yeah, my, my, my grandmother's really godly. My, my mom and dad's really godly. But the child never takes and says, God is my God. We want it personal. It's a personal relationship. It's not a relational in regards to, I, I have a relationship with God because my parents had it. No, no, that's not a personal relationship. That's just a, 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 a relationship that is you're trying to claim somehow for yourself. And you can't do that. You have to have a personal relationship. You have to surrender your life completely to God yourself. No one else can do that for you. Mom, you cannot save your child. Dad, you can't save your child. All you and I can do is be an example of a surrendered life to God so that they can learn from and see you that they want that same personal relationship. And just keep sharing the truth and keep loving it until they hear the voice and they receive God personally. So we see here that it leads to Jacob in verse 9. And you see in verse 9, Jacob said, Oh God, my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family and I will deal well with you. But keep, in, keep now jump down to verse 12. For you said... Now, that he's, he's repeating to God, you told me a promise. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for, for multitude. So he sees clearly the direction and the will of God to where to go move. He doesn't give all the details, but you're going to go back to the family area there where your dad is, and you're going to be, dwell with the family there. It's very clear. Doesn't say anything other than the fact that God has provided Jacob and made him a very wealthy man. I mean, just provided more than what beyond words, and we will see that in the in the scripture. But what we see also the fact that he even knows that God, you said the the my my family is going to grow so big, it's going to be like sand of the sea. Now, with that promise, wouldn't you be just absolutely? solidly planted and understand that God is with you? Wouldn't you? But we see that he still dealt with fear because he put his eyes on the situation at hand with his brother coming up with 400 men and not knowing how this is all going to play out. He didn't rely upon what God's promise is that he's going to preserve him and grow his family to the sands of the sea. No, he put it on the situation and became very distressed and oppressed. But let's see today how this all plays out because God, to get him out of that and to change his nature, God, we saw there in verses, verses 22 to the end of, of, of 32 of, of chapter 20, uh, 32, notice that God came and wrestled Jacob. So many people today. Oh, are you wrestling with God? No, God, like Jacob, Jacob never wrestled with God. God came and wrestled Jacob. And Jacob found himself in the wrestling match. And once God had, was doing a work and they wrestled all night long, then he got, said, okay, I've done what I can do to work with it. But Jacob said, no, 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 don't let go. I want to continue. And that's when that transformation happened. And God actually took, and took uh, his hip out of socket. And now he has a limp and he's in pain. And that is what happens when you struggle to a point where you just don't, Freely give your life up to God. Sometimes God will wrestle you and pain can come. Because you are taking it to a point where you're not willing to surrender all. But God will go to great lengths to get your attention. And sure enough, there he is. But that whole wrestling match transformed now he's Israel, not Jacob. Now he'll struggle with this. But let's pick up now in chapter 33. 
Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming. And with him were 400 men, so he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants and their children in front, and Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Now this is an amazing uh, transformation as we look here in the scriptures. Because we see here that he's preparing like he did before. He had his, some of his servants and some of his livestock he hand chose. And he sent them out in two waves so they would meet Esau on the way up to kind of soften him as a word we saw in the scripture. Appease him, manipulate him, try to sway him. So if he's coming north and he's angry and upset, how can I kind of give him something to show that I've got plenty I don't need his stuff. I'm not coming to take his stuff. But how can I kind of show gifts? You know, you know. some people you go, I wonder how this visit's going to be. And all of a sudden you start getting gifts or you get some gestures to show that you're trying to show love right, for the, before something's going to happen. So that's what he was doing. He was trying to, whatever, we saw that he was trying to manipulate him because those words are pretty clear in the scripture here. But he divided him up here also in regards to his close inner circle, his, his wives and the maidservants. And so he broke them up into three waves too. You maidservants with your children, let's get you ready and, and then give us a little bit of time. And then Leah, you're, you and your kids. And then finally the wife he really loved, Rachel, and, his, and then you come third wave here. Well, what happened was, and here's the a sense where you can see the change in the nature of Israel, Jacob. In verse three, we see that now he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. That's a different character nature right there. Because remember in the previous chapters, he sent these off and he stayed behind. He wanted them all in front just in case Esau wipes out one group of a caravan and then wipes out the next. and wipes out. He was trying to save his own skin. But when he stood back and he was all alone, that's when God got him, wasn't it? That's when he came and wrestled Jacob, when he was all alone and letting everyone else go first. That's when God showed up in their life. And that happens to people's lives today. You've pushed everybody away, constantly denying what you're hearing of, from God and the people of God. And you keep pushing and pushing and pushing. I don't need to fellowship. I don't need to do this. I don't need to be in the word. I don't need to hear that. And you get, and, but all of a sudden, you find yourself all alone in your room. That's when God's going to come and wrestle you. That's when God's going to show up to you. It's much better to surrender completely than to go through a wrestling match with God. Because it could be pain. It could be a hip coming out. <laughs> if I see you limping next, I can't wait to hear the story. Because <laughs> you're going to be transformed through that hip. Because God loves you. He'll go to great lengths to get you. Amen? So we see here, after 20 years, this is all ready to happen with him and his, and his twin brother. 20 years. But here we find that Jacob did something that he should not have done. He was trying to humble himself in front of his brother. He was sitting there, and some people say that he bowed himself down to the ground seven times because it was tradition for a king that you're about to see a king, you're supposed to bow down seven times prior to coming to the king or to the, that, that leader. So Jacob was basically saying to his brother, you're the older brother, I'm going to bow myself, and I'm going to be humble and serve you, be a servant to you. Well, we know in the scripture God made him to be the patriarch. It will be him that will be getting the, 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 the family uh, resources and everything to lead the family in the future. It was God who had appointed him, even though he was the second and not Esau. And Esau was supposed to traditionally be the number one son to get everything and be the patriarch. But not, not, not in this case. God called Jacob to do that. Genesis chapter 27, verse 29 
Let's people serve you. Nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren. See, Jacob, you forgot what God told you was going to happen. They were to bow down to you. Esau should be bowing down to you as he was approaching. But you flipped that. You're now doing it opposite. You're not in my will. You're not doing it the way I, I, I said it needed to be done. But that's what happens. It's still very common today. It's common to suffer some problem because we try to accomplish what we think to be God's will or to protect our own interests and merely using our human energy and wisdom. But you have to remember and I have to remember that God never needs us to sin and go outside his will to accomplish his will. I need to lie a little bit because I, I need to do No, never. I need to make this happen because I'm sure eventually we'll get around and we'll come back to do what God's called. No, that's not how it works. You must be obedient from the point that God shows you what to do. You be full obedience, not partial obedience. Don't use your own wisdom and strength to make things happen. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You don't have all the resources. I know your pride says the other thing, but that's just sin. We must humble ourselves and trust that God Almighty is directing, will provide, and will guide. Amen? Now, it's interesting. He sits there, and he knows he's supposed to go, and you know he's sitting here, and he's going to... Now, look, look in verse 4 through 7. But Esau ran to, to meet him. So he's bowing seven times. He's expecting to see what's going to see what his brother's about to do to him. He sees Esau, but Esau does something very radically different than what I guarantee you Jacob had pictured in his mind was happening. But Esau ran to him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. That's what brothers do. That's how that culture worked. They came, they embraced, they kissed the neck, they wept, they hugged. That is brotherly love. Jacob did not expect that. And I believe Esau didn't even expect it. I believe that Esau was coming with 400 men not to take uh, Jacob out, but to protect himself because he too thought Jacob would be coming back to take him out. And I think both brothers did not anticipate this reconciliation moment in their lives after 20 years. And here they come. He shows up. Esau took the first step. He would seem to be the more mature one in this situation. And he came. He kissed his brother. He, they wept. And he lifted his eyes. Jacob lifted his eyes and saw. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Esau lifted his eyes and saw the women and children and said, who are these with you? And so he said, Jacob responds, he says, the, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Let's pause for a minute. Do you see the language change from Jacob? Israel. Do you see Israel's response here? Nowhere in the scripture have you saw a man, especially Jacob, use the word, God has graciously given your servant. That's a changed heart because someone's heart who is hard and hardened and selfish and deprived will never use the words God has graciously given to me. Why? Because they think they've achieved it themselves. They've worked hard. They're smart. They have accomplished great things versus recognizing that God gives all things. And apart from God, you can do nothing. So here we see the character coming out of Jacob we have not seen. He graciously acknowledges that it's because of the grace of God. He does not deserve any of it at all. And so what happened? Here's Esau saying, who are all these women and children, all these people you've been sending, all this flock I've been seeing on my way up here? What is all going on? He was probably, Esau was overwhelmed by the wealth of, or by the resources that were coming his direction. 
And then we say, then the maidservants came near. It wasn't over with here, Esau. Here comes now the maidservants near, came near, and they and their children and bowed down. And then another wave, Leah also came near with her children, and they bowed down. And afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. So what an overwhelming moment here. Can you imagine his wives hearing about his brother Esau? And how he was going to kill him and all these things and how this is all going to work out. And, and it was just it was a really a bad situation. And, and, and all of a sudden seeing these two brothers unite in love. It's a beautiful thing when God starts changing the hearts of a man. When he changes the heart of a man and you see the true brotherly love, it is nothing better than that. In that, fel- that fellowship and that time especially reconciliation after years of division. But we see then, then Esau said in verse 8, what do you mean by all this company which I met? He was talking about those waves of servants and, 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 and all of the livestock that Jacob had sent out ahead of time. So what does this all mean? He says, these are to find favor in, my sight, in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough. The Hebrew word there, enough right there, in your Bible put R-A-B, rab, means have much. Rab, have much. That's what he's saying. I have much. Why are you giving me all this? I have a lot here. I got my own stuff. Why are you giving me stuff? My brother, keep what you have for yourself. And then Jacob said, no, please, as I have seen... I have, uh, wait, no, no, please, if I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God. And you were pleased with me. Oh, what a moment. Remember, here he is bowing seven times. And all of a sudden he gets closer and closer to Esau. He sees Esau running toward him. Can you imagine what, what is he about to do to me? He's running at me. He falls on him, kisses his neck, shows a loving brotherly connection. And then he has this dialogue and he sits there and he goes, I saw the face of God. He saw the presence of God in the situation at hand and it just calm, rest, peace will fill your heart when you see that. The countenance of a person you can see. And he saw the countenance of the face of God. That is something, that is someone who God is working in and has spent time with that man. Even if Esau started his journey from Edom on the bottom of Israel and started heading straight north, even though he may have started off with 400 men to go get Jacob, maybe. By the time he got up there, God has changed this man's heart. Just like Laban, he came down to get Jacob, pursued him, because he took his little, he didn't know who took his little idols, but his, his daughter Rachel did, and sat on his idols. God spoke to him in a dream and changed his heart before he got there, and that's why they did not, uh, he didn't kill Jacob. So God can work on someone. If there's someone, there's a division somewhere in your life, there's a friend, a neighbor, a, a, a family member, a mom, a dad. If there's not reconciliation and your mindset is that they will never change, you're wrong. Repent. God can change the heart of anybody. And so take the step of faith and reconcile with that person. Let them see the face of God in you because you've spent time in prayer and time in his word. Let them see the presence of God in your life and you will be amazed what that could do in the life of that person that you have division with. Amen? It takes faith. I know it takes faith. But we are to do that. It just takes steps of faith and be reconciled. And so he said that, I saw the face of God. And you were pleased with me. Please take my blessing that is brought to you because, my, because God has dealt graciously. Again, he's using the word. God has great, dealt graciously with me. And because I have 
I have enough. And again, this Hebrew word enough here that Jacob's using is a different word. Two different Hebrew words. One that Esau used, the one Jacob used here. Two different Hebrew words, but translated in the same word enough. This one is kol, K-O-L, kol. It means I have everything. Esau says, I have much. But Jacob says, I have everything. So he urged him and he took it. This is a significant moment here because in that culture, when you handed someone a gift and they received that gift, that means there's a friendship. If you hand something and they reject it, that means you're not a friend. <laughs> They're not accepting you as a friend. There's a division here. There's a separation. And he received it. But notice the difference here because when you just have much, who do you give glory to? You always have much and you're always trying to get more. But Jacob, now is Israel, his life changed. He says, now I don't have just much. I have everything. When you have a relationship with God and you know that all things come from God, you have everything you need. You are not in want of anything. You don't have to strive to buy something bigger and better or something newer or larger. Because there's contentment and great gain, the Bible says. Godliness, godliness with contentment is great gain, 1 Timothy 6. 6. And as a child of God, when you know God is in control of your life and you just keep pursuing him daily, he first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And when you know that by faith and you just trust it, you do not worry about how you're going to survive and live. Because God promises his children he will provide. And you, do you believe that? And as you mature and as you grow as a Christian, if you're not there, just keep showing up regardless of how you feel. You'll hear me say that all the time. Just keep showing up regardless of how you feel. And study the word of God with us. And as you mature as a child of God, you will find that that will be developed. That will be fruit that will come from your life. And you can just have rest in the fact that God is your provider. And he's your protector. And he's going to guide you in your life the rest of your life until he takes you right into his presence in heaven. And I can't wait for that rapture to happen. Soon and very soon, I hope. But here we see that, that Jacob was content. He had everything he needed and everything he had. And, but he wanted to, again, show love, and in this case, give and to his brother to show that he's not here to cause any problems. And then we see in verse 12, then Esau said, Let us take our journey and let us go, and I will go before you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are weak and the flocks and herds which are nursing are with me. And if the men should drive them hard one day, all the flock will die. Please let my Lord go on ahead before his servants and I will lead on slowly at a pace which the livestock that go before me and the children are able to endure until I come to my Lord in Seir. And Esau said, uh, let let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir, Mount Seir, down there in Edom, right? Southern part, the southern tip there of uh, the Dead Sea. And then Jacob journeyed to Sakoth built himself a house and made booths for his livestock there. And therefore, the name of the place is called Sokka. Now, this is a very fascinating little twist of the story here. We just reconcile his brother. There's love. There's friendship. There's a give and take and giving. And they, and they have a plan. Now, you're going to come back with me. We're going to go back down where I'm at, down to, to Edom. And there's a plan there. But Jacob wasn't really kind of being upfront with his brother completely. Because we see here in the scriptures that after um, he's convinced Esau to take all of his guys and head south, no, you can't leave any here, there's no need. 
no, 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 we, we, we don't want to go with you because there's a fear of the young, brand new uh, animals and babies. They'll die because we've been pushing. Because he had been pushing them, right? He was running from Laban <laughs> for 550 miles across the desert going south. They were probably at the edge of, of being really weak. And I believe that that is true in the fact that, yes, they were weak and, yes, they were fragile. Yes, they could die if they tried to take another journey down through, the, down to, through uh, the, the, the desert to the southern part. But what happened was is that he didn't tell them the full truth. Jacob had no intention of going down to Edom. Matter of fact, as his brother headed south, he immediately, we see in the scripture, went to Sakoth, which is north. Wait a minute, did you get confused when you woke up somehow? You should have gone south, you went north? No, it wasn't a mistake because you notice in the scripture, not only did he go to Succoth, he went there because it was very fertile ground. That was the Jordan River, uh, the fork of uh, Jabbok. Remember, it's still, they're not in Israel yet. They're still not into the land of Canaan yet. They're still on the east side. And that is very fertile ground. And they stay there, we think, around about eight years up there. So he had no intention of just staying there a little bit because he built a house and he built booths. He built barns, the huts, for his animals. So he had no intention of heading south. You don't go to someone for vacation and say, I'm going to buy a house and, and set up livestock and say, I'm only here for vacationing and taking No. I mean, you may go buy a little condo so you can have a vacation home. I understand that. But you're not going to build a house and build barns for your animals if you didn't have an intention to stay there. Now we see, again, he's not being honest and trustworthy. He should have told Esau right up front, brother, I love you. Thank you for reconciling with me. And yes, take my stuff because I want to bless you. But you got to go south and I'm not going south because God told me to go back home and be with the family. He didn't tell him what God told him. Out of fear, maybe his brother would get really upset. Whatever it is. But even then, he wasn't even obedient to that. He could have head west and head south, going over there into the land of Canaan, into Israel, to his father, back to Hebron. No. He went north and hung out there for a while. But then we see the scripture continues, though. We see the scripture continue where he then says in verse 18, Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padam Aram, and he pitched his tent before the city, and he brought the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamar, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Then he erected an altar there and called it El Elohi Israel. So he, he stays there in Shechem a little bit. He starts making his move down to Shechem. Now he's crossed the Jordan River. He's now in the land of Canaan. He's getting a little bit better. <laughs> he's a little bit closer to being obedient. But he's not still obedient because he went to a very pagan Canaanite city. Shechem. Very wicked. Very wicked people. He's not dwelling with the, 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 the Israeli or the Israeli. The Jewish, the, the, the Israel nation of his people, which is where Isaac is. That's where his family is in Hebron. He stayed north. But what happens is this. And, I, and I'll give you this as a warning here, right? This is a, a warning for you and I. When God says you need to go to a place, he knows why he needs to send you there. There's a very specific reason, and you may not fully understand that reason, but you will know that it's best when you're in God's will. Amen? If you think you know God's will, and you think God is going to bend according to your will and go where and say, oh, wherever I go, God will bless me wherever I go. God doesn't care where I live. God doesn't care what I do. God doesn't care who I hang with or what city or town. God will go with me everywhere and bless me wherever I want to be. I hope you're listening to the story today because as you start today all the way through the rest of the book of Genesis, this disobedience absolutely destroys his family. Because you might be strong enough to go and live anywhere because you're solidly walking with the Lord. But it might destroy your wife. It may destroy your children because they're not strong enough in their walk with the Lord. 
So you have to be very careful in the decisions you make because that decision will and can destroy your family, as we will see in Jacob's situation. It absolutely does. We want to be in the will of God. Amen? So we want to do what it is because he knows what's best for your children. He knows what's best for your spouse. You just have to be obedient to what God tells you to go and just be a full obedience and do it. Because what happens here, he sits here and goes to Shechem. He buys a parcel of land. He bought the land. He wasn't supposed to buy land. He's supposed to be a pilgrim. He was supposed to journey back to home, back to family. He wasn't intending to. He wanted the city life. Shechem was a big city. It was very prosperous. It It was all worldly, and we know that by the scriptures. And it's going to destroy his family, especially his daughter, as we get into verse chapter 34, I think, of today. And, and we'll see he thought if he would buy this, this, this land, he somehow can make it work. He builds and, and erects uh, an altar there to praise God. And he calls it El Elohi, or, you know, um, uh, this is, this is the God of Israel. This, this altar is the God of Israel, and, and I'm going to make this work, and, and God help me here. And Just because you go to a place against God's will, and you go to that city or go to that town because it offers you all the worldly things. Oh, look at the restaurants, and oh, the entertainment, and oh, look at the houses, and oh, the weather's better, and oh, all these things that entice us to make decisions where we go versus, God, where do you want me to go? And you get there and you say, oh, I'll find the, a church. Eventually when I get there and I get my job set up and my house set up and everybody else set up and there's kids set up and the dentist set up and, and the doctors set up, you get everything set up and then you go, oh, we probably, it's been two years, we probably should find a church, don't you think? Understand you're not in the will of God. <laughs> you're, you, you, now you're going to build an altar, now you're going to find a church and then and worship God. That's not how it works. And you wonder why you have problems in your life. Again, I, I'm being as loving as I can. I've seen it over the years of starting the church back in 2011. People coming and go and making the same mistakes over and over and over. And I hear back through the Facebooks. I hear back personally emails saying, oh, pastor, we should have never done it. I, it. It's been the worst thing that's ever happened to my family. Our kids are off, gone. They don't want to serve the Lord. They, I'm over here. I've, my wife has left me. It is absolute disasters we watch because people think you can just move wherever they want to and not be in the will of God. It really saddens me as a pastor. And that's why God says to warn the sheep, <laughs> encourage the sheep, just be in the will of God. Just seek him and just go when he tells you to go. Stay when he tells you to stay. Be in his will. And so we see here there is a, a challenger. Now, he's elected, he erected an altar. He's, he's, he's thinking he's arrived. He's got everything available to him, even though he's not in the will of God because he's not where he's supposed to be. In chapter 34, verse 1, we see now Dinah, remember his da- the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. Now, why did she do that? Well, if you're, she's about a teenage girl right now. And when you get into that teenage and you see that all these things the world has to offer, that girl is going to want to go see and partake and see. She went out there to look for her, some friends, someone who's in the world out there, who are friends who she can meet. And so she goes out into the land, and out there there's two things that's wrong. A, a young lady should not be going out into the world on her own. Not in this culture. This culture was not women-friendly. There's not equal rights here in this, in this nation, this culture. The, the male of the house, the father or the brothers, were to guard her and protect her and be with her at all times. Now, I don't know the heart of Diana right here, uh, Dinah, because I don't know if she was a rebellious teenage girl and said, I'm going to go do what I want to do and take the stance, or that she just was so lonely and needed friendship, she wandered out there with the right heart and just wanted to have friendship with some people. 
And it happens today, doesn't it? Someone's lonely, a young girl lonely. And now she doesn't even have to walk out of the house. She just has to get on Facebook and start searching. And gets caught up. We have to be very careful, men. You're responsible to protect your children. You must know at all times who they're fellowshipping with and where they're going. That is your responsibility. You cannot shirk that responsibility. It is not mama's responsibility. Mama helps you as the spiritual leader of your house, men. Oh, mom knows what's going on. No, you are to know what's going on with your children at all times. You have a helper called a wife who helps you in that area. But you better be communicating extremely well with your wife to know what's going on with your children. Because the world is watching and trying to get them. And what's what happened? That's exactly what happened, Dinah. And when Shechem, the son of Hamar, the Hittite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated or raped her. His soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father, Hamar, saying, get me this young woman as a wife. Now that scripture tells you, first thing, love never goes and gets. Love is about giving. And so this young man saw she probably was beautiful, saw she was new, saw she was unique, and went and pursued her and, and then raped her, forced her to lay with him. But just because he did that, he, it says here he was strongly attracted. She must have been beautiful, wanted more of this woman. And we'll see later on in the scripture here, they kept her at his house. She didn't get to run and free from him and go back home to, 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 to dad and to the brothers. No, they kept her in, the, in their house. And so what happens there, the Shechem says to his dad, Hamar, get me this woman. Meaning, go get, tell them I want this woman and pay whatever money you need to pay. Because remember, they had to give a dowry. They, they had arranged marriages here. Where was dad? Where were the brothers? Who was there to protect her? She was vulnerable in this culture. And what happens? She wandered out. And then there was, there was a consequence because this wicked city, she was not to be there. Dad's, it's dad's fault because he took him to a place where he was not to be. And now the, child, the, ch the children are affected by this. And it gets worse. Watch what happens next. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Diana, his daughter. Now his sons were with his livestock in the field. So now we <coughs> kind of know where the sons were. The dad was there, but he, and he heard that this happened. So Jacob held his peace until, he, until they came. Why did he hold the peace? Probably because he didn't have anyone to back him up, and he was a very passive leader. He wasn't a leader. He was a passive leader. He didn't take responsibility. He wasn't ready to die for his daughter. or for his, He was waiting. Remember, he sent everyone else in front. He didn't want to die. So he's still a Jacob more than an Israel still. He's still that old nature is holding on. <clears throat> then what happens? Then Hamar, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved and very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to, to be done. Circle Israel in your Bible because that's the very first note of, of Israel being, the nation of Israel being mentioned in the scripture is right here. So we see here that the brothers come back. They hear the story. Dad's passive. He doesn't know what to do. Doesn't have his sons to back him up and, and address this issue that's defiled the, 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 the family, the nation, everything. Remember, this was completely against this whole thing. is the enemy coming against the redemptive plan of, of, of bringing Jesus Christ into 
uh, into the picture here. And we'll see it played out in even more in, in the decision making because it gets worse. Because once sin happens, and if it's not addressed properly, it's a spiral down. It gets worse and worse and worse until everything is destroyed. It's just the way it, it, sin works. But here they get their just ungodly response by Jacob. He didn't take responsibility. We see that they're coming out. They're just trying to get Dinah for his son and it's the father. There's no sign of grievance between the son or the father. What did you do, Shechem? You went and raped this woman from the Israelite? Are you out of your mind? What do you do? No, you don't see any of that. Dad's actually supporting his son in this whole situation. And then what happens? But Hamar spoke with him saying, the soul of my son. Oh, he's really... Really, he, you know, his feelings for your daughter is just so much. Who cares? <laughs> Get over the feelings. Do what is right here, right? So the soul of my son, Shechem, longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife and, and make marriages with us. Now he, he, now he adds to it. Not only does we want your daughter, but now we want to have your daughters, all your, your women. We want to intermarry, again, against the will and the plan of God. It was never to happen. Israel, Israel was a nation to be separated from the ungodly nation. They were to be separated. But watch where this plays out. And make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us. And take our daughters to yourselves. So you shall dwell with us and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it and acquire possessions for yourselves in it. Then Shechem said to her father and her brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes. And whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me ever so much dowry and gift and, and I will give according to what you say to me but give me the young woman as a wife it's like a possession to this young man give me as a, give her as a wife I, whatever it costs it's like a car I, I've already tried her out and I just want to pay the money and give her that is not how God designed a relationship between man and woman and an ungodly man, that's exactly how he thinks, and it needs to be, he, young men need to be taught properly. And we must, we must disciple our young men up. Or they'll think fleshly, worldly ways. And this is how Shechem is doing it. He's not getting the fact that he, he is wrong, and also Jacob and them are not making it clear to them that this should never happen. And we see that uh, in our rest of the response of this chapter. But the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamar, his father, and spoke deceitfully. Ah, so they're not being speaking truth and love to them, or even just pure truth. They're going to now respond in a deceitful way. Why? Because they're just like their father, Jacob, the deceiver. They're going to deceive in their language just like his fa the father, Jacob, was a deceiver. And because he had defiled Dinah, their sister, they were going to speak deceitfully. It doesn't justify. That sin does not justify of another sin. And they said to them, we cannot do this thing. Oh, that's good. That, that's a first good response. To give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that what would be a reproach against us. So they're at least telling some truth here. We can't intermarry. You're uncircumcised. We're circumcised. You, we can't intermarry here. It would be a, a reproach against our God. That is true. But not completely true. Watch what happens. But on this condition, we will consent to you. Oh, you know the truth, but you, now you're going to bend and allow it to happen? What's the deal here? You know the truth. Well, that should be the end of the conversation. But now they're consenting to this intermarriage. And the reason is this. They knew God's standard, but didn't live the standard and would be willing to, easily will compromise the standard of God. Let me say that again. You may be religious enough to know God's truth, the standard, what's in the Bible, because someone's taught you. I bet you that, that trust worthy or that, that that faithful mom and that faithful grandma probably taught you something 
But because you don't have a personal relationship with God, you compromise easily and go against what God's truth is because you don't live it. You don't believe it personally. So what happens here is now they're compromising on something that God said very clearly. You are, as a nation, separated from the, not, uh, the rest. And I'm going to give you an outward sign called circumcision to separate outwardly to know that you are a separated nation. Just because you're going to go get circumcised does not make you part of that nation or set apart for God. You cut off all you want. It doesn't change the heart of who you're allowing to govern your life. You're governed by God, Israel, or you're not. Watch what happens. And this is where we wrap it up here in the rest of the verses. And if you will become as we are, if every male of you is circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you and we will take your daughters to us and we will dwell with you and we will become one people. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then we will, not, we will take our daughter and be gone. See, Dinah's still at their house. Take our daughter and we're out of here. I believe there's a couple of things here. I think primarily, I don't think in their minds... We'll say, fine, this will work this out. We're going to compromise here. We'll say this is good. We're willing to get uh, to do this. But you, every male has to be circumcised. I doubt they'll do it. How are they, how are they going to get an entire tribe of men to be circumcised? No, that's not going to happen. It'll give us a, a way out, a justification. We'll take our daughter and, and our sister, and we're out of here. Right? They think they're smart. They think they're pretty clever here. No male in their right mind was going to get circumcised. No way. Watch what happens. And their words pleased Hamar and Shechem, Hamar's son. So dad and the son immediately said, okay, this is good. I can get my wife. I can get this, this girl. That's no problem for me. And what, ha what happens? So the young man, Shechem there, did not delay to do the thing. He got circumcised in me. I'll take the circumcision right now. Because he wanted out of his flesh so desperately Dinah. A male will go to great lengths to get that woman. And he, he did not delay to do the thing because it delighted in Jacob's daughter. He delighted in Jacob's daughter. He was more honorable than all the household of his father. And Hamar and Shechem, his son, came to the gate of the city and spoke with the men of their city, saying, <laughs> so now they have to go sell it to the rest of the guys. And where do you go in that kind of a nation? You went to the city gate because all the leaders, that's where all the men gathered. That's where they talk the politics and everything that's going on. And they're going there to sell it. Now, how do you sell something you don't think someone's going to buy? Well, you start off by giving them some carrot that entices them. What does they say? These men are at peace with us. Therefore, let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For indeed, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters to us as wives and let us give them our daughters. So we put, they put the, the carrot out there. They love us. We're at peace with them. This is all good. This is great. And, oh, there's plenty of land for them to dwell in here. This is all good. We're not taking anything from you. We've got plenty of land to live here together. And then he says, but guess what, guys? You can have their women. And, oh, you fathers who have girls that need to be married off and you need the dowry, they'll take your daughters so you can get them off your, your, your books and get them over there and they'll give you money. Oh, it's going to be a win-win. This is great. We, we got a sale? But they didn't tell them what they had to do yet. Now they tell them what has to be done. What do they do? Then they say what? Uh, only on this condition. Will the men consent to dwell with us, to be one people? If every male among us is circumcised as they are, circ as they are circumcised, 
Will not their livestock and their property and every animal of theirs be ours? Only let us consent to them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of his city heeded Hamar and Shechem his son, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of the city. You want to try to move a guy? That's how the enemy works as well. He'll use women and wealth to move a guy. He sits there and they said, hey, you can have their women. And you want to get rid of their, your daughters? Because remember, they're not equal rights there. They, they kept the sons and the daughters. They got to get married. They, they can go. So they enticed him there. Then they gave him the condition, but you got to be circumcised. Every one of the males. Oh, by the way, did I tell you? will become one people and all of the wealth of Jacob, all the life, because he's the, well, probably the wealthiest man right now in our city, that becomes ours. Now you see where Shechem's dad, Hamar, was so motivated because he knew as a leader of that tribe he was going to get all the wealth of Jacob. Watch it. Watch where the deals are made. And that's exactly what they did. And the men, the men fell for it, and they got circumcised because they wanted the women and they wanted the money. Well, then what happens after that? Everything turned out lovely? No. Watch what happens next here in verse 25. Now it came to pass on the third day when they were in what? Pain. Much pain. <laughs> I assure you they're much pain. That two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. They were incapacitated. They had major surgery. <laughs> and they could not move and defend themselves, and they took advantage. And now you see deceitfully what those brothers were up to from the very beginning. A, you're in no way going to get circumcised. And when they fell for it and they did it, then they had to take advantage of the situation. And, and when they're in pain and swollen, then they went in for the kill. Again, that's what happens when you're out of the will of God and there's sinning going on? It gets worse and worse and worse. Those boys should have never done that, that killed those people. And we're going to see later on in chapter 49, uh, Jacob never forgot it. Watch, watch what happens now. And they killed Hamar and Shechem, here, verse 26, and his sons with the edge of the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and went out. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. They think it's okay. Let's go take everything. Let's plunder everything because it justifies because of the sin of the other person. I should get back and retaliate. That is not how God's people do it. When someone comes against you, you don't turn around and retaliate and go and try to kill or let alone take advantage and take someone's stuff because they sinned against you. That's not how children of God... Uh, work. Um, so the sons of Jacob came upon the slain and they plundered the city and because their sister had been defiled they took their sheep, their ox and their donkeys and what was in the city and what was in the field and all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives they took captive and they plundered even all that was in the houses. So not only did they plunder and take everything, all their wealth but they actually took their kids and their wives and made them slaves because of the sin of the, of, the, of the Shechem, the, the prince, the, 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 the privileged young man of the leader of that tribe of Hamar. See how things can just get out of control. And then Jacob, last two verses, then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me by making me obnoxious. <laughs> obnoxious means You've ruined my name. You have now, anytime someone thinks of me, I stink in their, in their mind. That's what it means. I'm not obnoxious. So when you come upon something, you go, that's very obnoxious. I don't know what you're wearing today, but that's obnoxious. You know, that's what he was saying. Everyone thinks I stink in, in, in the presence or ruined everything. Among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the parasites, and since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me. So, uh oh, Jacob's still focused upon himself. 
against me and kill me, and I shall be destroyed, my household and I. But they said, should he treat our sister like a harlot? So Jacob, unfortunately, in his response, yes, he's pretty upset, but he's really saying, oh, look what my name has been ruined. I'm a wealthy man. I'm a prosperous man in this community, and you are ruining my people. It's going to stink. Everyone's going to think of me. I'm going to be stinking in their minds, let alone ruined in their minds. This cannot have happened. Now I'm few. I'm not that strong. They've got more people. They're going to come against me. They're going to kill me, and they're going to wipe out my household. All he could think about is his house. He couldn't even, and the brothers had to step up and say, but dad, you treated our sister like a harlot. These are wicked people coming against us. But again, that sin had resulted in them, the brothers even saying. They wiped out an entire male population of a city. There's no justification of that. And we know in the scriptures that when Jacob comes to die, and he has his 12 sons in front of him, he says in Genesis 49, verses 5 through 7, he says to him, you're going to be blessed, you're going to be blessed, you're going to be blessed. And he gets to Simeon and Levi, and he says, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their counsel. Dad says, I want nothing to do with these two boys talking to me. Watch this. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. I want my name not even attached to these boys' names as they go forward. For their anger, they slew a man, and in their self-will, they did it out of their self-will, they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob, and I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So we see here prophetically. God speaks through Jacob and tells Simeon and Levi exactly what was going to happen to, the, to those two tribes. And we know scripturally, we see the tribe of Simeon, because of their lack of faithfulness, was effectively dissolved as a tribe, and the tribe of Simeon was absorbed into the tribal area of Judah. They now non-exist. And the tribe of Levi was also scattered, but because of the faithfulness of that tribe during the rebellion of the golden calf, if you remember in Exodus chapter 32, somewhere at the end, verses 26 through 28 or so, the tribe was scattered as a blessing throughout the whole nation of Israel. Both were scattered, but one uh, as a blessing and the other one as a curse. There's consequences and there's changes that take place. So we see today full obedience, my brothers and sisters. Seek God's will and be full obedience. And it's by faith and not by sight. And then watch God work in and through and protect and provide for you and your family. Amen?